two shows in a rose where TK is late, which is, I assure you is more the case than me ever being late. This I can tell you. This I can tell you. It looks like Mr. Butler has finally decided to join us, but he's on location. What? You, I knew you were going to ruin it. I knew it. I knew it. Not only were you late, you ruined everything. Are you really in Calgary? Is that why you're so late? Oh, great. <laughs> what a true can you pro. Hear me? Can you oh, hear me now? Thank you. I just want to take a moment to uh, oh. acknowledge the passing of Queen Elizabeth. Oh, no. So she is she is uh, the queen. And, uh, you know, it's a big deal. Was, yeah. Was the queen. So she, is, she was our queen. And uh, I don't think this affects the real estate market in any way. I put that tweet out, but I didn't get much of a, a reaction to it. But what did yeah. you do? What did you say? I just said, how does this affect the really? Toronto you, and Canadian real estate market? You think so? So similar. Yeah, I haven't been scary. on Twitter today. No, yeah. you have not. But it's um, uh, well, there's got to be some kind of effect. What if like King Charles goes fucking bananas with all that power and money and starts like attacking Canada and like the rest of the Commonwealth? I don't think they have enough power for that really to to make a material difference. Like it would be it would be different if it were like, you know, um, you know, the the Communist Party of China was overthrown or, you know, there was some sort of uh coup in in the United States or, or something like that. That would be that would be a different story. But as far as, you know, just changing just changing a, a figurehead of the royal family, I, I don't I don't think that affects the uh the economy as much as people would think. But I'm really not the guy to ask. <laughs> let's let's be. I got very no one else, TK. Right? Like okay, I got no like, one else like, here. Please get your information from another source. Well, we'll right? ask Peter when he joins us. Let's see like, what he says. Yeah. Seriously, I'm not kidding. I mean, what good is it being the king of England if like you can't really go bananas and attack everybody? Like, what's the point? You want him to hit the red button. That's what you I want. just I listen. If you can't, I want him to have the option. Yeah. Well, what what's the point? What of being would happen king, if? <clears throat> well, let's go with another scenario that I think would have an impact on the markets. But you you tell me which one. What if Donald Trump runs for the president again in the U.S. and wins? What happens to who? The markets. Same thing that happened last time, huh? What do you mean? I don't know. It seemed to be pretty good for the economy like when vague, he was the president. Vague answer. It was good for the economy. Yeah, I think the markets are going to spike. How is the same like... thing that happened last time vague? Like it's actually it vague. Pretty detailed. I mean, it's the yeah. same. It's documented. What do you think the weather is going to be like next weekend? It's probably going to be similar to one of the other weekends. That we I didn't had. say similar. I said the same. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I think this is irrelevant to everything. What is relevant yeah. though is. Um, Interest rates went up a little bit again, and this okay. is crazy, isn't it? Well, Regardless, let's talk to our guest and figure out what he's got to say. Oh, he's got a lot to say. Good. We have to. Can you pronounce his last name? Uh, if I, well, if I can't I have read it, in front it of me. you can't read it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't even know what his last name is. Well, okay. 
that way to ruin the whole show again show it show it to me and i'll and i'll pronounce it it's it's in the invite kiriazopoulos i think kiriazopoulos zopoulos mm. okay first of all your greek accent is horrible kiriazopoulos huh? how do you how, what's greek sound like even peter uh, kiriazopoulos 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 <laughs> i'm the best you're the best i'm the winner you definitely is the winner <laughs> Is that Swedish or something? This episode is brought to you by Landlord. This Landlord software is a game changer. You upload your properties, right? You upload all the information, income, expenses, timelines, mortgage details, everything that you need to have so that you keep track of everything in your portfolio. And as you go through real-time adjustments in, you know, rent increases and uh, water bills and and tax bills and everything else, they're going to actually give you recommendations on how to make your portfolio more efficient and it just breaks everything down for me in a way that i've never seen before like excel spreadsheets just don't cut it i don't think there's a better program or app out there for investors and it's free please click the link below for your free trial offer are you borat now oh my god was that like could it be worse (laughs) yeah are you kazakhstanian like what's going on (laughs) not today not today. This. Do we have Peter here? Hello. We're having too much fun, TK, for people that just got bombed by the Bank of Canada. Can Am I in Calgary us? and you're in and you're in Toronto? We're all that? over the place. Okay. Peter. Well, there you we have it. We can hear you. We can hear you. You can hear me. And see Welcome you. Welcome to the party. All right. What's going on? How are you doing? TK, how you, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good. 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 good, yeah. good. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, yeah. Peter. How are you? Yeah. Good. 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 How, all good, guys. Good. I feel like I know I feel like I know you. Like I feel like we've been in those Twitter spaces like since day one together. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah I feel like I... much. It was great uh for Dan putting them all together. It's good. Like last night's one was a really good one. It was oh really my solid. God. Had a, had a had a lot of really good people in there. Guys with experience, some journalists, Ben was there, some really smart people. It was uh it's always good when we get that hive mind going, right? And we get to bounce ideas off each other and our own experiences. Yeah. What were some of the topics? Uh, well, basically, we discussed the Bank of Canada uh, rate increase, what its effects are going to be about trigger rates, renewals, lack of liquidity within the private or tightening in within liquidity, looking at the private lending market as well as a sort of a secondary or as a backup for, uh, for people who just can't get funding. Or the people who showing coming up short on appraisals, that's the other one, right? Mm-hmm. There, there's always going to be that that looking for that additional funds to bridge that gap for people when the bank says, "Hey, you know what? It's not worth what you bought it for." Yeah, and that that those funds there are becoming in short supply. Um, I don't think so right now. As long as the as long as the numbers look good, like um, you know. Uh, I won't get into too too many specifics, but you know there was a I, I deal with a lot of these mortgage brokers, but there was a private that you know they thought at the time was going to be a really good deal, um, and the for whatever reason the guy needed it for a couple uh, condos downtown, yeah, uh, and appraisal came in and they were just north of uh, what their accepted levels would be, what any accepted levels would be for any 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 lender out there. 
and yeah. they passed them off to the market. They just wouldn't take them. And we're talking like prime downtown condos and you know, those rates for them jumped too, or they, you know, you went up from maybe 9% total to, you know, 11 and 12. Or, yeah. So I, I think maybe I worded that wrong. Cause you're, you're right. There is, there is money out there, but the terms that have to be met in order to get access to that capital have changed dramatically. Oh, significantly. Absolutely. Yeah. From like, I don't have the, I'm, I'm not the firsthand knowledge, but this isn't, you know, just from my experience and, and, and talking to these guys, like I try and connect with them easily on a weekly basis, just to see, you know, what are you seeing in rates? Uh, what are you seeing in the market, especially on the private side, because that's sort of like the, the de facto, uh, um, you know, last line before you just give away the keys. Right. Yeah. Um, it's crazy because but... right now the the price is almost secondary to the amount of money that people are going to pay every month like the amount of uh interconnectedness between agent and mortgage broker right now must be like pretty intense no like you guys have to figure out a way to get deals done uh that really shouldn't be done at the moment well, I don't, if I, if I see a deal that shouldn't be done, I'd rather No, but it's do done it. already. No, but they're done oh, no, already, if right? it's done. <clears throat> well, it you should know, not we, have been done. Should not have been yeah, done, maybe. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know what? The, the, the thing is, I, in general, yes. Personally, no. Like, like I, I'm in contact with them because I want to know what's going on behind the scenes for them. Like, I'm talking to them all the time. Um, when it comes down to my clients and getting their deals, yeah, I'm always in contact with them. I want to know how things are going and how the deal's being funded, but- uh, in terms of trying to get it done, well, you know, we're, we go in eyes wide open knowing that, hey, like, prepare yourself for this, for every single, like, uh, any, any potential pitfall that, that could arise, we want to prepare ourselves before we firm up or sign on the dotted line. So at least we're aware of it. And we're not scrambling last minute, at least on my side with my, me and uh, my team. But, um, to, but just, you know, they're dealing with a bunch of other agents that come towards them. And, you know, I, you i see it and i and i hear about it where it's like this guy needs help this guy's like we need to move him over here or you know try and reposition him into a different lender or go private or take him down to a b you know just and then with that just comes higher rates so but isn't this a really good opportunity for some private lenders that have a higher risk tolerant than tolerance than 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 most I would say so. Like I'm, I, I invest my own funds to be frank in the private lending space, but I haven't touched anything in a year. Uh, I'm, you know, just under a year. Um, but there, if someone's aggressive, someone says, Hey, I don't care about an 80% loan to value in this market. And you know, they want a 12, 13% return. Well, it's there, you know, but at a certain point, someone's going to, you know, you're going to take a second at 14, 15%, like Mark, uh, the lawyer was saying last night, uh, at a certain percent, at a certain point, you got to say to yourself, is the rate so good because there's no way they're going to pay it back, right? Yeah. That's why are you getting that that rate? <laughs> well, right. You know, why is this? Usually, rate it's usually around being... that twenty percent mark, right? But you know, the but at the end of the day, um, uh, there are people out there that I've seen just flush with cash, and they're ready to deploy it. But it's again, like you said, TK, it's got to be on their terms, right? So, yeah. and the more, and the mortgage business is designed to, you know, facilitate these transactions, right? So unfortunately there are going to be people who have money who shouldn't be lending out private money, who shouldn't be in the business at all, who should be, you know, putting it somewhere else. 
but they're talking to a mortgage broker or a friend or somebody and they're saying, no, you know, you can get these really great returns. And, and cause none of the, exp the experienced guys wouldn't touch anything over 65% loan to value forever. And like, like these guys have been through the rigor, rigor, removes, rigor, removes, whatever that word is, to, you know, of, of, of all the market changes. Right. <laughs> so right, right. These, guys, yeah. these guys know, and I, and I, and I would talk to them and they'd give me all the, and I said, are you nuts? I can get 80% at, you know, 8% or whatever it was. But that was because they had experience. And they said, no, there's a reason that you're coming to me. And I don't want to be stuck holding the bag at the end of the day. And, you know, there's lots of people who are carrying uh, debt right now from the earlier part of this year, where if things don't go well, whoever's got that loan won't get all their money back. The property's not worth what. Oh, yeah. Like you said, right you took, even yeah. if you got conservative and you were in the yeah. greater Toronto area, like not in, in Toronto, but. You took a 75, you said, hey, I'm going to be conservative and take 70, 75% loan to value on uh, on a private, on a first. And well, I can tell you right now, even if it's, even if the property has gone down 20%, you, your friction costs to on a power of sale, I guess, are somewhere between eight and 12% just being conservative. So like, you better just hope that person continues to make the payments and then you can get your money out and they find someone else at a higher rate to continue to carry that for the next term, the next year. Yeah. What yeah. about trigger rates? Let me, let me hear this topic. And maybe I'm not as educated as everybody in the Twitter space last night, but I am not afraid of trigger rates based on the information that I see out there. And that this is a very, very minuscule amount of people who will ever be affected by this in a, in a great way. But tell me, enlighten me from, from the Twitter spaces yesterday. Yeah, well, I'm again from my perspective. I don't think it's going to be a big deal based on there's the uh, uh, the letter of the law and the sort of the spirit of the law. I guess in terms of how the banks implement it is going to be the main issue. Um, I received uh, a letter from the RBC and and publicly when they send you to their website on how you can uh, manage once you hit that trigger rate, like your easiest option is uh, they give you the option of basically switching to a fixed, which I'm not a fan of, um, uh, lump sum payment or uh, increasing your monthly payment by 10%. Well, that's not that big of a deal for the most part, right? If you're paying two grand a month and you move up to two, an extra 200 bucks a month, that's not a big deal. TD, on the other hand, from what I read in this letter that was sent to me last night and actually Ben Rabidou posted the exact same tweet today uh that we're talking on how they're going to implement it is they're not going to do anything if your ltv is less than 80 percent, they're just going to extend your amortizations and they're not going to increase from what i've been hearing so like if in the short term i think everyone it's not going to be a big big deal for those people in those static variables only because your cash flow will be your your cash flow will be affected at not at all or on a minimal basis but on renewal you know if you haven't been making additional payments and you had a 30-year amortization and you come up for renewal five years later and you're supposed to be at 25 years and you you've just been riding this out assuming rates stay flat you know you're looking at north of 50 years and then when they recalculate that back down to 25 or 30 years then you're going to get sticker shock on your monthly payment i think do you so think, I think people it's, I think it's like, renewals but do you think renewals, people look 100%. at 100% yeah 
do you think people look at their payments as like only for 25 years? They don't look at them as like forever. I'm going to be making like, do people have this, like there's this actual 25 year period in, in the future where I'm going to stop making payments uh, or something. It varies. Like, for, you know, for me, all I care about is cash flow personally. Like I want to pay, you want to pay off any debts you have, but on investment properties, you know, the tenant does that for me. Right. On, um, Ideally, you'd like to offset as much debt as possible, especially in a rising rate environment. Um, but I don't think so. I think people just think about, I don't think they think about 25 years down the road. I think they think about two months down the road. I think the they think at 30, yeah, the 31st of the month. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, so most, exactly. how do I get to the end of the month? Yeah. So, but most people, if they can keep their job and keep their income level, they can keep paying their bills. Maybe they get lucky. Like, are, are you a pivot guy or are you a doom and destruction kind of guy? Like, is this thing going to turn around and maybe we'll see three, three and a half percent in a year from now? Um, well, I am a doom and destruction guy only because if once doom and destruction comes, I, I'm both actually. So the pivot comes when there's doom and destruction. They're, like they, they've got to be given a reason when you're seeing seven and a half percent inflation prints, and as of yesterday, three and a quarter interest rates, short term rates. You know they have to be given a reason to to say, hey, we're we're going to get rates positive right because technically real rates are negative at this point right so if the market can sustain six percent overnight rate then why wouldn't they go there right like if you're sitting on cash too that's a great thing you know so like everyone thinks because we're so heavily heavily indebted in canada like consumer debt is so high things like 105 percent debt to gdp or whatever like no one thinks on the income side like i can tell you now all these old people I know sitting on cash, you're telling me a one-year GIC at four and a half percent. That sounds great when they were getting, you know, less than one a few years ago. So from, from that perspective, even going back to the private side, why would you take a risk two years ago at on a first at 6% or even seven, if you got lucky, when now you can just go to a GIC, lock up your money as, as a deposit and pull in north of four, four and a half, maybe even five, if you get lucky. So there's mm -hmm. going to be people losing money on that side as well, too. Like liquidity will dry up on, on the fringes for those people who just like, look, for almost no risk, I can deposit my money at the bank and deal with it that way. Right. Um, but I forgot the second part of your question, Joe. So did I. What about uh, <laughs> we talked about it yesterday? Like, what about VTBs coming from the from the sellers now to keep deals alive and to maybe keep their purchase price where where they liked it? Um, I, like I said, I haven't seen too many of them, although two did pop up directly. Yeah. Didn't you say that last night? Yeah. So two, two agents sent me an email saying, Hey, we're going back on market from earlier this year. And we are, uh, uh, you know, the seller will consider a VTB. Normally these are, usually you see them on just yeah. on land deals, right? No, but, but now Mark, you know, any, any time the lawyer offered. Mark, the lawyer said five times in the last couple of months, he's seen it. And before that, it was like five times. Those, yeah. those are those are on firm deals. Yeah, we've, we've seen a lot of those too. Um, what Peter's talking to is going on going to market and offering a VTB in the GTA. And that just oh. basically says, hey, we want more money than it's worth, but we'll make some sort exactly. of arrangement sure. with you. To, Zero to, to down. More. Yeah, <laughs> so 0% you, for 24 months. You want my months. couch? 
and you can drive my Corvette for like that's, three weeks of the year, you know? Let's ride this that's, out together. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Actually, Prices I had one will client, be back. I almost had a client in the declining mark. He was he threw in he threw in his swim spot that he ordered. Nice. <laughs> in, yeah, into like the deal. 20, 20 plus grand, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so those VTBs though, I think that Daryl's referring to, these were like these are like last ditch efforts. I did them in 2017. I didn't have to do any this year. Um, mm -hmm. but I would have if it came down to that. Right. I know a couple of guys that I work with who took price abatements. And so they said you know, we'll take 50 grand less or whatever to be able to make this deal go through, right? Based on all this stuff. The ones that yeah. I was dealing with in 2017 were like six figures. So they were big numbers. And it was like, there was no way to close this deal. The only option for that seller to ever have that money ever come. Um, and I'll take two quick stories would be through the VTB. One, that money's never been paid by the way, but the guy's earned about a hundred grand in interest. So he's kind of like, he's doing well, right? So even if they don't end up paying him, he's he's still going to be doing well. The other one, I was I brought this up recently to someone is uh he wants his money back and he's 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 trying because he's nervous because it's a lot of money and he's nervous about what the market's going to do. And you know, based on the numbers, I mean, the guy's the guy's probably pretty close to underwater who owns the house. But as long as he makes those payments, he can stay there and everything's fine, right? So they're dangerous, right. very dangerous. You never yeah, want absolutely. to be there. So, so yeah. but now we're we're in an environment where you can actually make a condition, right? So you're getting conditions for 30, maybe 60, 45 days right now. But in that time period, like the house is losing value these days, the way things are going. And we just got a, a, a nice rate increase, which means something has to give, right? So like, is that not going to be something that people pull out of their back pocket? more now because during that 30 60 days if the appraisal doesn't come in but everybody likes the price and can afford the payments and like i don't know things or or things are going to really fall apart fast now right because if if there isn't something kind of keeping things elevated which if people can't afford them i mean what has something has to give interest rates or prices right well but we all know prices. interest rates aren't giving anytime soon so it has to be prices or the and market prices, and, and, and prices are giving, but I don't think this initial rate hike is going to have an immediate effect on, on really anyone who just doesn't have a, a, a at this point, almost any variable rate mortgage and, and a HELOC, right? That's where, that's where people are getting squeezed on that point. I just think people looking to make moves in this market right now are still either at rate holds or, you know, they just, they're not influenced by this, uh, by the rate sensitivity, like they, they, it's or it's limited, so they're still they're still making moves. I probably see seasonally, like like for this September, we'll probably see decade lows at a minimum in terms of transactions. But for the most part, um, it's six months down the road that some of this stuff is going to be felt, right? Because even from current homeowners, only now have we had people start to get triggered right and the banks are not like the banks are not handling it as as they sh well in, in a way that would detriment the homeowner they're just saying okay make your payments we'll kick the can down the road so even even now like some of these rate rises aren't really potentially squeezing people unless you're you know with one of the banks that just has a floating payment and you you're your rate's gone up 800 to a thousand bucks or your payment's gone up an extra 800 to a thousand bucks a month. Those people are probably are getting squeezed right now. 
everyone else is pretty much okay for the most part. Most of those people, right? Like if you should be making sound financial decisions. So right now, if you're buying and you're planning on, um, you know, purchasing soon, because, you know, you have a need, you have a genuine need for it. You should have a rate held if you want fixed, right? Or you understand how the markets work with a, with a variable rate. So you know already that, okay, whenever I buy, I'm going to be able to tolerate because you're getting stress test at, you know, six to 7%, depending on what you're getting. And your rate payment is going to be based off of whatever that variable rate uh, overnight rate is at the time. So like in your head, you kind of know, like I can tolerate a thousand dollars fluctuation in this mortgage payment. That's why I'm going with a variable rate product as opposed to trying to lock into something fixed, which is what, you know, you should have done in the past. But and the, the people value are... is going down simultaneous to the payment going up. I understand. But at the end of the day, you're going to eventually enter the market and that will be a fixed point. So that, that principal amount is going to be a fixed point. So you, like you should just, people need to understand, I think, mortgage products more now than ever. I think that's, I guess, what my point is, especially those adjustable rates. You know, if you were taking on that, that should be like in your head, you know that you can tolerate an increase in rates because you're betting on over the next five years, rates will come back down and that this will be a smart move for you, right? Yeah. How many people like have have trigger rates but have just heard the term trigger rate for like the first time and are like oh my god i checked the the i checked the mortgage and we got this trigger rate we're like we're fucked now we're, we're I've, I've oh had, great i've had three conversations this week clients just reached out to me and you know a couple of them asked about trigger rates and the other one asked uh, i i mentioned he's like oh what's that and i was like check your original documentation. I'm like, good thing you're with, good thing you're with a bank that's, you know, that's really not going to do anything to your cash flow. But, um, you know, but, but to the mortgage side, the other question I had is like, and I mentioned it last night, you know, you're fixed. If Prime's at 545 and they give you even a, a full 1% discount on Prime, which I doubt the banks are doing right now, you're, you're fixed and you're variable pretty much the same at this point. So I, I'm I'm curious what which way people are going to lean to. On one hand, you know, like the the delta is not there. So they're like, I can lock in a rate at what's going on now, but do, are are people locking in at the peak as well? Yeah. And do they avoid first time, the, eh? First time in ever that I remember the, the rates being almost identical. Right? You've uh, always you've always I I, from, I think from I think my knowledge, after, I don't remember. I think just after the first lockdown. In 2020, I think if we looked at okay. that point, fixed and variable were very tight. And then the spread just blew out where, you know, overnight lending rate just got chopped down and, and risk premiums got cut. And But I think so. But like four. Yeah, they were, they were less than a percent. It was like, you know, when it got, oh, when it yeah. got down to like 2% on a fixed, you were like, you know, in the low ones or something like yeah. that. But it's so distorted yeah. where you can get a one year rate more expensive than a five uh, uh yeah, one year rates more expensive than a five year rate right now, which is crazy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, interesting no, times we're in, Daryl. Interesting. Good thing people have the Canadian Real Estate Show to watch. Oh, to yeah. get all the facts from our great guests so that they know what's going on. Nobody Otherwise, really, they're going to be in trouble. It's really a confusing time. Like it has to be. I mean, look, we all had 40 something years of just kind of basically up, 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 up. A couple of blips along the way. Last time that there was a blip and the time before there was a blip, our, a lot of people were calling for the end of the world and doom and destruction. And this is the time they're going to bury us. And I mean, last time in 2017, when things started getting a little scary, 
rates went the other way pretty quickly, didn't they? Uh, I probably, I think it was 2018. They started to cut, but um, I, I have, I don't have it in front of me. I, I, I just, pull it up. I just always ask, and I, I don't think I'm right, or I don't even know what my opinion is, but like, why is this going to be the time that they just drop the hammer on everybody? Why is this the big great the, depression the, one? The difference well, the difference between all those other times, if you would just go back 20 years, is CPI prints. Like, there's actual concern for inflation for the most part, right? Like, in the last decade, no one's talked about inflation. They were talking about disinflation. And they were talking about, oh, you know, boomers are going to age. They're going to spend less. You know, there's there's no replacement uh, right. in terms of replacement and fertility level. People aren't having as much babies. Um, you know, for whatever reason, we're talking disinflation, technology, demographics, the whole bit, right? Um, and now I think they have political reign to say, hey, you know, who cares what happens to a certain degree with to asset prices? We have political free reign. I don't care what anyone says. Bank of Canada is not independent from the government. <laughs> They're talking all the time. Um, and uh, from my perspective, you know, at, to a certain extent, outside of uh, whatever happens to asset prices, they have the ability to just raise rates and and screw it, right? So I think that's what's changed. The fact that they have this mandate that they can say they're going to squash inflation by just crushing everything in their path. It's so really the question is, is where do we see inflation in 12 months? That's really it's, the question. It's really rates, tough. Rate rates will be will be they'll be looking to drop rates, Daryl, and they're they're gonna want to bring them back down to that's what like, I'm like getting neutral to. or or below, right? You know, depending on like in a stimulative range, depending we, on on where where we are. But aren't we in the point, neutral range now? I would say so. Yeah, we just yeah we just crossed the neutral range. Right? I think it's two to three is neutral, and then restrictive is anything over three. Right? Is that right? You know what? It's it's whatever they've been calling it. I figure right now we're probably in, in, in the form of the neutral range, but I don't think it's a set number. It's just basically how the, the economy reacts to, mm. to rates within, like you're saying, it's not stimulative. It's not destructive. You know, it, at that point you, you, you need evidence for that. It's not just one set number because there's true. Yeah. There, there, there's other things that affect it on the outside, like existing debt levels and, and things along those lines. Right. Uh, so, you know, and sensitivity to those rates, which I think is much higher than even higher than ever in any community that's ever experienced uh, rate well, hikes. I mean, because we have last, so much debt here, government well, the, and public. In the 80s, our debt to GDP was like in the 50 or 60 percent. And now we're like 128 or it's whatever. Doubled. Right. So uh, yeah. but the like government has doubled. Well, but the government mm -hmm. debt also has ballooned like similarly, if not more. And, and they're just as rate sensitive as anybody. I mean, imagine what the debt payments look like compared to a year ago, right? Yeah, but uh, aside from a devaluing a currency, uh, they, you know, they can make their own, they can print their own money. Uh, a really smart guy, Richard Diaz, just looked at... Uh, 89% of the government debt was essentially bought by the Bank of Canada from Q2 of 2019 till now. Like that, like they absorbed all that debt. So like, if it just sits on their books, who cares? Who 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 are they? You know, um, it's not like they have a bank to pay, right? Like it's their own funds. We can't print, you know, Daryl bucks in your basement 
and then run we've up tried. We've tried. <laughs> we've tried. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like no one wanted like, them. You know, uh, government debt I is a little bit more stable and liquid than saying household debt. Um, but you know, if we look at household debt in Canada, it's crazy high. Well, let's let's look at what's led to inflation. What are all the factors that have led to us being right now in this inflationary period? Oh my God! Oh, that's a, what that's are so many supply I, I, supply I, chains, right? I see. I see. It's it's a combination of of supply chains for sure. The basically okay. that friction within the logistics markets, and then um, a, a massive fiscal like the difference between. 08 and now if we just take the us as an example is 08 they just did quantitative easing and bailed out banks and just went out and started buying i think it was just bonds right and now the difference is everyone got stimmies in the us and we got serb right and you and you make this influx of actual cash that is stimulative to the economy and that can cause inflation especially when on the supply side if we looked at daryl you're a builder you look at lumber well, it takes the lumber mills a long time to ramp up production once they've been shut down for a couple months. But the demand is that snap your fingers, put an order in and say, hey, uh, you know, I need a truck full of two by fours. Right. So, uh, so that, you know, do that with and give people the ability to do that with stimulus and government backed loans. So that's the other thing, too. It wasn't just CERB that came out. It was everyone who who had a uh, a corporation, a business that you know had a, that met the criteria. They got forty, but then it turned into sixty thousand dollars in basically a government backed loan. That twenty, like I think it was was twenty percent of it forgivable, right? And a lot of people that didn't just actually qualify got it. Like yeah, probably knew, more people just, didn't qualify that got it. Than I, know, did I, I know I know people who didn't need it and they just did it because it's like, look, the government's <clears> grant twenty yeah. percent. So I'm like, I'll just take this twenty k. You yeah. know what I mean? Smart, so, smart so decision. It, I mean, at the end of the day, government. I don't know back, anybody that would do government that. back loans plus disruptions in supply chains. That's probably you know I'm not an economist. I'm not in financial markets. So I just have an interest in it. But I would say that's your main impetus for for inflation and. I think they're going about it all wrong. Like so, so over, 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 like over demand, overbought products and services, right? So that's that's one. And then on the supply side, restricted supply chains coming in, so that creates again an increase in prices. Probably a lot of sentiment too, right? Inflation's self uh, fulfilling, right? All of a sudden, people start to say, "Well, we're it's inflation, you know? I pay me more. I should charge more. I need to pay yeah. more because everybody's not talking enough about labor." It like yeah. Yeah, but for sure. Absolutely. I mean, how how long do those factors remain? Like, that's the thing. Like, how long before people if start to get hit really hard? Yeah. Well, right? but there's like, also a lot of people that own companies that have the ability that when things are like this, they can squeeze a little bit more for themselves too under the the conditions, right? So there's like this additional little bump that I guarantee you, like gigantic companies with almost monopolies are like, we could do whatever we want right now. And right they're now. not right now. Yeah. Well, in this environment, as things are going up and they're also doing it to protect their bottom lines for later because they don't know, you know, what's coming down the pipe. When I, I've been surveying like business owners since all this has, has been going on and, and very few have told me that they've seen a major increase in their 
cost other than the big industries like food service and, you know, a few of the ones that we're dealing with, you know, overseas type of stuff like shipping containers, you know, like when yeah. all those guys like martial arts, equipment, furniture, whatever, they had these major shipping increases and stuff like that. But as far as any other businesses, when you would talk to them and say, you know, how have things changed for you? For the most part, you know, they weren't as affected. No, right? They were saying so, that they couldn't find people, good people, couldn't find enough good was, people. Yeah. So maybe yeah, that, sure. in that, in that side, they have to pay more for their labor or something, right? Like that's, that was their increase to their expenses. Gotcha. But that's not really inflationary. I, I think we're, we're, uh, you know, and, and again, I'm not an expert in this, but my own opinion is, um, I think it's just price increases as opposed to just inflation. Inflation is something else, right? It's like a monetary thing. So I think the biggest issue, the biggest aspect of like, of this 8%, let's say inflation print we saw is primarily supply disruptions and, and inability to, to, uh, to get the capital or the, or, or the supplies that people need when they wanted to. And, and I think they're handling it the wrong way personally, it, from, from my perspective, because what, what does that mean? Elaborate. So like, like, again, so by increasing the cost of capital and, and just raising rates, well, you're, killing on they're trying to kill the demand side but i've always thought that by doing so they're killing aspects on the supply side so if we look at housing how many projects have been shuttered because of just rising costs when it comes to let's say financing and, and just the cost of capital people are just shuttering stuff right it's brought prices down but it's also hasn't given builders the um uh, the motivation to build as well, right? And so I think it it affect the supply chains more on on the housing I, side. I I don't know. I'm just uh, it, it's just in my head. And 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 if you look at someone um, named Mike Green, a uh, really smart guy, and I sort of side with him on this perspective. I think they're making a mistake by raising rates this quickly. Everyone just looks at the CPI and they're like, inflation's eight percent. Well, interest rates need to be at eight percent to and it's and it's simple like black and white for them and i don't think that's it and i'm not smart enough to know what is the answer but i think like you by just raising rates you hurt the actual solutions needed to to, to fix those problems right like you don't need to, to hit you don't need to hit the same city with two atom bombs like you can hit them with one atom bomb and see what happens for a little bit because there's an after effect right we didn't get at any chance to see an after effect from anything we 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 saw the wind shift when they started talking about a quarter point increase we saw like disruption all over the place no, right we, we saw it before that daryl like even before housing, that yeah really like actually. january was like 200 showings per listing and then it was like february it was mid-february killed off you could see it yeah. we were talking and, about it yeah yeah right absolutely it was, it was it, doing it. listen it was doing... four months ago variable rate mortgage was the savior for most people and now it's like satanic to, to even think about it it's stupid because you don't know if it goes another 50 points next time like imagine you started at one and a half 1.8 yeah it's like oh, how can you possibly like deal with it it's well like i said and, and people haven't even felt the full effects of, of some of these right not even so, close you, yeah exactly like it's like know, one like, nuke after the other and it's like stop like i'm bleeding already like I, yeah, i'm yeah, dead yeah. I, like you, you, the, you know uh People like Benjamin Tall and 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 other economists I I, I listen to they're like a a rate hike usually takes twelve to eighteen months to 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 feel the full effect of it right 
So like we've done 300 basis points at this point. Like, I don't think we've felt the effects. And like, yeah, I want to see the results. It's, it's, politi give yeah, me, it's, give it's me politically results. motivated. It, I think it's just yeah. completely political, politically motivated. Like, again, I hearken back to what Mike Green says is like, by raising the cost of capital and, and you're, you're hurting the supply side or on the, the, the ability to make productive investment to fix those supply issues, right? Who, uh, you know, and, and his solution is, and who knows if it's right, is talking about like, if if we say we're in wartime against all this COVID and, and whatever BS, then, you know, do COVID measures and or do wartime measures. And it's just, you're, you're going to do a shit ton of fiscal spending to give people money to offset energy costs. Right. That's what they're doing in Europe. So California is doing billions of dollars as well, too. Um, you know, and if it comes here, they'll probably do it because it's the most short term, easiest solution for any politician. Just say, here's an extra 200 bucks to pay for your energy costs. Right. And, and yeah, that's while what... raising rates, it's like in Europe, it's like, hey, we're going right. to they were so at zero forever. Right. We're not we're going to raise the... rates 75 points and we're going to give you some money. Like figure that oh, one and out. On, and on top of that, they're buying the shittiest bonds to make sure that, you know, the Italian bond and the German bond spread isn't that far. Like they're still buying bonds. They're just not calling it quantitative easing. But like, just if you're going to spend all that money, spend all that money, not and just give it to consumers for short-term efforts, do it to fix these long-term problems that we see within the market. But they're not because, you know, they're by the time those problems are solved, their election cycle would have already passed. Yeah. And that's just my perspective. I don't know if I'm right. I don't know if no, I'm no, right. No, no. I don't know. You're but... But I think, I think they're over. I, I think they're just over tightening personally right now, yeah. and I think they at some point they probably would need to pause. But that's just my guess. There's other people out there who will say, you know, one percent for the next for the next year, every meeting, just go nuts, right? Yeah. And, and I haven't I haven't met anybody who's a predicted it correctly every single time, or b has been able to like consistently provide a solution to any of this, right? There's just so many opinions. And I yeah, think that that's the, the reality is that, that 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 same type of confusions happening at the Fed's office and the Bank of Canada's office is they've got all this technical data and they've got all this experience and they've got all these measures and tools and charts and uh, figures. But really, they're sitting there going like, shit, what do we do? Like, I feel sorry. Sure. For nobody. Anybody who has to make these decisions no, because they, you throw they don't know what they're doing. It. Here's a war for you, by the way. Yeah. Here's a little war for you on top of the pandemic oh, yeah, you're sure. dealing with. You know, they who's, asked, the, who's important? The worker, the mortgage, mortgagee, the you know, the government. Like who whose back do they really have right now? I don't think they have honestly anyone's back, but just looking at inflation and saying, but I I, you know, you're you're hurting those people at the same time that you say you're trying to help. And 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 just getting people to curb spending is I don't know, part of me feels like they're they're not doing it the correct way. And, and, you know, like just a blunt instrument when they're using a, a shotgun when they need a, uh, you know, a sniper. But why, why is it part of the system? Why does it work this way? Why is there this company that, that does this? Why can't it just be like, you're not allowed to lend money for more than 3% or you will kill you. <laughs> Everybody okay. just keep it at 3%. Okay. The, the, there is one way of, uh, of like artificially suppressing uh, uh, the the market. Like they tried it with the stress test, but there was loopholes with it, right? You know, you could easily just, you probably just need different interest rates for 
different markets or different inter- industries, right? Saying like, well, housing market in Toronto probably needs like four or five percent. But yeah, I said that before, mm-hmm. and people said I I was a complete well, they got, idiot they got, for saying the, that. The luxury well, yeah, tax. I think new TK was one of them. Is, is their tool right now? Right. I'm not. I'm not saying it's the right answer or not. I'm just you know we're here just spitballing, but uh you know it's it's a it's a very difficult situation and uh uh i i think about jim grant he writes this thing called interest rate observer and they asked him oh you should be what would you do if you were the head of the central bank it was oh first thing i would do is quit so you know because <laughs> <laughs> there there's people who just put in really shitty positions right and and it's yeah. like yeah why would you um, want to do that job i know yeah. and 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 but it, it's tough because when we talk about rates, it's not like, oh, foreign buyer tax came in. And that's just like, if we think of of uh, this money liquidity, just like a flowing river. And, you know, if someone interest, uh, puts in in October um, stress test. Okay, well, that's a pretty big hurdle in the way, but money just flows around it. Someone goes to a credit union or they, you know, remove their, they pay off their car loan. And then that gets them a better, that gets them the mortgage. And then they get back and they get the car loan again or something, you know something along those lines there's there's avenues around it then they introduce a foreign buyer tax and it's like okay well there's still avenues around that too you know uh, buy pr- municipal land transfer tax that was what this was supposed to be right housing right. prices in toronto it was like going crazy so they're like we'll tax people more and it'll make them want to live in the 905 instead that didn't work right so again this is just another another speed bump it just water flows the other way but when yeah. we talk about Bank of Canada's overnight lending rate, it's its not like just a speed bump. It's a wall. It's like the Hoover Dam. Nothing gets through. This is the rate. You have to pay it. And, you know, the only way right now that I see that people are getting off on it are, like we mentioned earlier, this are the static variables where it's like, push the can down the road. You know, we'll push, we'll make your 30-year amortization 60 years, and you can just continue to pay interest only. And when renewal comes good luck we'll figure it out that good we'll luck out. man we'll, we'll, we'll cross but, that but that's, we'll cross that bridge when we get there let's let's uh, go back peter to that, remember when you that, sold us this house and you said you'd help us uh when it was time for renewal but, but aren't you guys going to start getting calls like that i need help uh, like I, I can't fucking uh, refinance this thing man well i'm not in the mortgage lending space i'm a realtor right so yeah. I, people people I, were stress test at 5.25 or more and so for them to say like but they got co-signed advice. by their mother and their father. It doesn't their matter. They were stressed us based on that income. And so that person knows that they need to be able to help out because they're on title. Because it doesn't make sense to be paying interest only. It doesn't make sense to amortize no. it for a billion years. That's that's a very, very small section of the market who yeah. literally something's changed since they got qualified in Q4 of 2021. And now all of a sudden they have to they can't afford to pay those higher payments because well, if you were getting a mortgage, right. you, you should be qualified at whatever they need to amortize it. You should be going right into your right. 24, 25 year amortization. And if your payment jumps a thousand dollars, because now you've got too much uh, interest and not enough principal being paid off, just carry on with your new payments from there and a new static right. payment, which- Right, which, but the, the, the issue is the stress test does it in a point in time. You can, the day after your deal gets funded, you could go out and buy a Porsche or be a- <laughs> financially <laughs> irresponsible as you want. 100%. the other thing That's, is the, or your the, dad could go bankrupt if we're talking co-signers but let's just assume someone on their own right um and, and they don't have co-signers so uh also from that perspective you know outside of being financially irresponsible 
Royal Bank and what we talked about about how they're handling these rate increases is they may be helping people in the short term, like TD. If you know if you're well capitalized on your on your home, they're not going to change your payment. So you have to be prudent and responsible and saying, hey, like I'm not gonna I'm gonna cut back on my spending and I'm gonna voluntarily up my payments on a monthly basis to make sure I, I keep up with the amortization. Mm-hmm. And you have to ask who, without being forced to do it, like, hey, if I don't force my kids to eat their broccoli, they're not going to eat it, you know, and they're going to eat the French fries and they're going to move on. So like, who's forcing you know, people to do that? So if they're, if, if you're not with a bank that's automatically changing your payments to keep you up to date with your amortization, how many people, if the banks sort of let you off the hook by just saying, ah, oh, just give us an extra hundred bucks or an extra two bucks or don't do anything at all. Like maybe TD says they're doing, I don't know. Cause I haven't seen them implemented yet, but you know, you're, you're still leaving it in the consumer's hands. And you know, at that point you're going to get a variation of outcomes. I heard that yesterday actually from a mortgage broker that it was only an extra $2 for RBC, so, right? RBC. Yeah. I heard that as well too. I don't like, again, yeah. I don't know. Because yeah, I, some, I, someone I told me this like very casually and they were saying, but it's only $2. And then I was kind of going over like all the different scenarios. And he was telling me that there's cases where it's only $2 more. And I was like, this is unbelievable. But Daryl, this will be the new deferral cliff. Okay? I, I probably, so, oh, yeah, absolutely. This could be something gonna to talk about. In three years, when all these renewals come up from the static mortgages at 50 years amortization, that's when the market will crash. <laughs> This is so good, right? I love it. We it, can't get it, we can't it, get enough of this stuff. It's true, right? It goes from the yeah. deferral deferral cliff to the renewal cliff, and that's it. The renewal cliff. The renewal cliff. Renewal. <laughs> Dude, we, put that in the something. put that in the thumbnail, Daryl. Renewal. That's cliff. perfect. Renewal cliff. Right. Doom, 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 doom. Oh my gosh! Like that's why I'm very like this. Peter is like I'm very just like people have been telling me about the doom and gloom forever, and every single person's been wrong. So I figure if I just say that this will pass and that this won't be as bad as we all think and things will get better, I'll be right at least nine out of 10 times. That's my theory on all this. So whether I'm educated on it or not, I believe things will progress eventually. There's a segment of the market that disagrees with that. All the people that got burned, right? All the people that got burned are like, you know what? It was fucking real for me, but there's, it's not that big a segment. But they affect so, the market a great deal because they have to take the hit and bring down the price for the area, right? They got to be the bag holders. But from you know, from our perspective, and Daryl has like going back twenty years. Realistically, you're saying, hey, you told the story about '08 and getting burned, right? Now, uh, I don't know the exact details, but we went on a pretty good run right after that. You know what I mean? And and not like not took like five six years like within a couple of years 10 months like 10 months people like we weren't the we weren't the u.s within let's say a year after let's say 08 and i just started in my in the trade at that time so i don't have a lot of experience at that point but from that point we we shot up we looked at you know uh 2017 well in some of the hardest hit areas like i'm talking york region where a lot of this, where i am where a lot of the speculative activity happened Okay, well, within 2020, about Toronto was about 18 months. We were about 24. If we came into like 2020, we ramped up again, and and even before, like like the Q1 before the lockdown in 2020, we we were gangbusters. Like people putting offers on day one, 
Like if you were stupid enough not to hold back offers, like you were getting an offer on day one, not knowing, you know, because it just hit you like a ton of bricks between late 2019 and first two and a half months of 2020. January, February, 2020. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like we don't have, and I think the people who are talking a lot of doom and gloom are the 50 year olds because they realized they saw their home got cut in half in 89, 90 and didn't recover for a decade. So I think it's a lot of those people because we don't we don't have any immediate experience. They're older than 50. They're like 60, 70s now. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, you know, from from our perspective, we don't we don't have that experience because our own experience is okay, 25, 30% drop. We'll see in three years when I'm when you know the market rips again and we're making money, right? Because that's our longest experience in in heavily uh, speculative areas, you know, like Markham, Stouffville, Vaughn, Richmond Hill, all these areas they took big hits. They all took big hits, but you know, by within twenty four to thirty months, they were up and at it, and everybody was over water, no problem, right? Like the people who bought at the peak, it took them two years, give or take, to get yeah, back to normal. Inflation wasn't the same. I think in at least in two thousand and eight, inflation wasn't really the issue so much as it was the whole banking system just disintegrated overnight and liquidity dried up completely, like all of a sudden. And it wasn't all of a sudden, like you heard the stories, you heard that, you know, you felt it coming and, you know, some people could get out. I personally, I couldn't get out quick enough because the market just died as I had finished my projects. But like, again, it's like no matter when or what, like there's a segment that's so big that is going to get really hurt right now regardless it doesn't matter like they're just going to get destroyed and they're going to be a small part of the market but their house will be a new comp on a street for an area and that screws everybody else in the process that's the real problem but like the whole thing is how long in the twitter space were we talking about like why don't they just start raising rates like a quarter point now like what the hell's going on like, what are they waiting for and and we don't have to have this level of destruction, do we? Like even within the system, if they would just kind of like stay in the neutral rate, maybe that's not supposed to be, you know, destructive or uh, uh, stimulative. Stimulative. Like, why don't we just stay there and just fucking hit the brake, hit the gas, hit the brake, hit the gas. And like, maybe maybe you're a little fucked. You got 4% instead of three, but you're always somewhere between three and four and you know, if we're overheating, it's no closer to four. I don't know. It just, it seems so crazy that it's like fucking to the floor at 0% for so long. And then boom, all of a sudden we're at 6%. And it's all on the, like the, it's all on the heels of this guy who we're all supposed to believe who's running the whole show says like, don't worry, go borrow money. Like this thing, we're going to be dealing with this for a while, at least until 2023. Like, literally, that's what he said. So all yeah. these people are like, I'm going, I'm going, let's go, let's go. Now, now nobody knew a pan. Oh, no, that was this, was that, yeah. did he this say was, that after the pandemic? It was July yeah. of 2020. Right. Like, what the fuck is going on? And we're all just sitting here going, okay, like, let's adjust things. Let's let's there, figure out how yeah, to adjust to this. Why don't we fear was burn that building? That time. It's crazy. Yeah. At the time, their biggest fear wasn't inflation. It was deflation. That's where they just slammed, all, slammed the brakes on rates and dropped them down, right? They're that's our biggest a, fear. But so, now, like I said, the only thing that's changed is CPI is at numbers that for an extended period of time. I think maybe in 08 in the States, it was high. It was just as high, but it it melted away. 
Um, so I, again, the only difference is we have for over a year now, we're looking at persistent and consistent high inflation prints. And everyone's freaking out. But again, uh, smart guy, Ben Rabidou says, when the inflation story changes to the recession story, that's when they'll pivot. That's when they'll that's pivot. When, and that's when they'll pause. That That's, you know, again, they, someone else, and again, I, I, I watch a lot, I read a lot on this stuff, and it just, um, someone else mentioned, they're using if they're using CPI and employment as their indicators, well, those are lagging, but right. apparently interest rates are leading indicators. So they're, they're, they're trying to determine, and maybe this is why they're always behind the curve because they're looking at, they're using a leading indicator. They're, they're judging a, a leading indicator through lagging indicators. And I, I don't know. I don't know. If it, I, I looked up some immigration numbers. I looked up some immigration numbers today or yesterday, and yeah. I was just trying to figure out like a few different points and mm -hmm. the best information i can get was 2016 right that's how uh, far no, behind they still were oh yeah no there's there's some, there's some i know there's some but some of the numbers some of the reports i was looking for they were like still years behind because they're just yeah. like there's only so much information that they process and it takes time for them that to was the last census reports. that was the last census that was well, done they did, i think they, i think they just did one in, maybe they just did 2020 it. But yeah. um, that's going to take them 16 years to compile the data and process it properly. I'm just saying some, some data is like so, that where they, yeah. they really just don't have the, the means or the, the capabilities of uh, creating it, you know, in a, mm -hmm. in a more immediate fashion. Right. So I think yeah. they kind of do. They're just not using it. I mean, God, it's not that difficult. Is it? I mean, everybody's got a license like it. Well, we're, we're talking about it from like down here. They're looking at about it from up here. By the time all they the need to come down here, bro, and yeah. see what's going on <laughs> in the streets because they don't have a clue. I waited today. Okay, uh, on a property that I that I have, we are uh, that I got a, a tax, not a tax bill, like the certificate that says uh, what your outstanding balance is, and it was supposed to be zero, but it was like there was a month missing. And it just turned out that my tenant hadn't paid it to the right account. But I had to wait on the phone for like three hours and 15 minutes this morning just to get a human to discuss this with them. And they couldn't actually help me after that whole thing. But like this is this is how our 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 system works. So like if if little things like that work so poorly, I mean, I don't think it gets better the higher up it goes. I think it actually gets worse, doesn't it? You're asking someone who has no experience with what's going up up there. I think they're 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 privy to a lot of information, but how they interpret it and how they work with it is, I don't, I, I don't know. Anybody? That's why that's why people tune into YouTube and Twitter for the most up to date information. I'm not saying that we're the best sources out there. There's no. plenty of people out there who know, but where else are you going to go and get more up to date information on what's going on in the market and what people are doing? Right. It's you want to hear from the realtors, you want to hear from developers, you want to hear from politicians, you know, the, the Twitter spaces, you guys have had some great people on there. Um, some of the guests that we have on our show, some of the other people who make videos and stuff like that. Like it really is leading in from information. That's what it is. That's the attraction to it. And yeah. it's unbiased. Hopefully, yeah. Unless it's a real estate agent. Jeez. Then you don't according, know what the hell's going to come out of According to all the comments mouth. we're getting is no one believes a word that I say and Daryl is a realtor guilty by association. 
even peter called me a builder i haven't built anything and i don't even know how long but there's a great grand misconception as to what i am and it's probably better you off like for mysterious. everybody yeah <laughs> i'm mysterious well, I well you, you used to build yeah i definitely used to build and i learned my lesson that's for sure i learned really big hard lessons the worst way possible <laughs> but i learned that's the good thing i learned Peter, I want to give you a little plug here. So where uh, where are you located? Where's your office? Uh, well, I'm with my my team is Compass Realty Group. That's that's Compass with a K, just because my last name is too long to put in there. It's Curiosopolis. So we just went with K. I pronounced that properly, by the way, and Daryl didn't. Just that's just okay. To... I have good. evidence. And we have it on I tape. Have evidence. We have that's it on right. tape. It's exactly. okay. So, you know what? Sometimes even I get it wrong, so it's all right. <laughs> TK, we had the wrong Kiriazopolis on the show. I'll tell you, I was on their website and I think we need to have his wife on the show next time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's oh, an agent oh. too. Yeah. She's a lovely, an lovely looking awesome. lady. Oh, and his you, kids, holy cow, your kids are beautiful. Wow. Thank you very much. Very, yeah. Very so we're cute. at the, we're at compassrealtygroup.ca. We deal primarily uh, York region and Toronto and parts of Durham. Um, but uh, aside from that, there's a team of four of us, and uh, that's pretty much it. And I'm on Twitter, I'm Peter of Record instead of Broker of Record. So make nice. sure everything I make sure everything I say is uh, is uh, I have to default back to it and take responsibility for it. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. Check, check him out. Anybody listening, check out Peter. Check out his website, his social. Smart guy and uh, great contact. But I appreciate it, Peter. You've been great. Yeah. Much appreciated, guys. I really awesome. enjoyed this. Thank you so much.